we are activating your unique self-discovery one show at a time. The Orchard of Wisdom Self-Discovery Podcast are at your fingertips, just waiting to inspire and invite you in discovering just how awesome you really are and how to navigate through life in joy, enrichment, personal abundance, in mind, body, spirit, heart and soul. All the people we bring you are here to serve you on your journey of life. Do enjoy our next show. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Quantum Spirituality right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest today is Stephen Harley Martin. No, he's not the Steve Martin that you think he is. He's the Harley Martin inside in the middle there. He is an author, a prolific author of many, many books. And we're going to be talking about his Oakley Press uh, as he helps people actually produce their books. But he's also going to be talking today about the evolution of humankind and where we are headed, the evidence that consciousness is not confined to our brains. Hallelujah. No, it isn't. The brain is the last one to get it, actually. Uh, he's the editor and publisher of the Press, as uh, the talk show host of a popular weekly internet podcast, The Truth About Life. And it became clear uh, to the best-selling author, Stephen, that he had interviewed dozens of near-death survivors, psychics, researchers, and into the paranormal, as well as the quantum physicists and the medical doctors, that humankind is on the cusp of transitioning into a new understanding of the true nature of reality. To share what he has learned and to help speed this transition, which he believes will be the result of a rebirth of optimism and the world becoming a better place to live and work, he has written more than two dozen books, many of which have achieved bestseller status on Amazon. Martin is a former principal of the world-renowned firm that created um, the GEICO uh, Geico Gecko, the Virginia is for lovers, and the Martin Agency, and is currently the editor and publisher of the Oakley Press. He is the three-time winner of the Writer's Digest Award, and having won first prize twice for fiction and once for non-fiction, and he has won first prize for visionary fiction from independent publishers, the first prize for non-fiction in the USA, but book news. But what is the evidence of life after death, of reincarnation, of that our consciousness is not confined to our brains? This is something we're going to be speaking about today. And as I said, for me, the brain is the last one to get it. It's, I think when we choose to open up our channel on our spirit and allow that wisdom to come through, resonate with the heart in truth, go into the spirit into action, our mind will know what it needs to know when it needs to know it. But if we constantly come out from the head first, we get confused and we can get trapped in all doctrine and conditioning. So yes, the the wonderful consciousness lies in our heart, soul, and spirits, the intellect as well. Welcome to the show, Stephen. Well, thank you so much for having me, Sarah. I'm glad to be here. And, um, you know, a lot of the beauty, and this is something that has actually been a common theme this week on my shows, which I always love the way it goes. I, I can do anything from six to eight, nine shows a week. And sometimes, they're, even though they may be diverse type shows, there's a common theme. And the common theme this week is the consciousness awakening. And we are awakening right now. And although we're seeing so much disruption going on in the world, it's the Celtic rune Hagglass disruption. You kind of need that to kind of clear away the old and allow space for this new consciousness to come in. And this new consciousness is just a higher energy, which we call love, right? Well, absolutely. And I think that whenever there's a 
change occurring. There's always a lot of chaos and, and so forth that goes along with it. You know, things are getting shaken up. Yes. And I believe that's that's what's going on now in our world. And and really it's it's uh, more and more people are coming to understand that really the we're we're what what is the cliche? We're eternal spiritual beings who are having a temporary physical experience. I mm -hmm. really think that's absolutely true. Mm -hmm. We're here to uh, learn and to experience. We come into this reality from our home, which is the spirit uh, dimension, spiritual mm -hmm. dimensions. And uh, we come in through our mother's womb and take, take uh, on these physical bodies that I kind of compare to uh, diving suits, you know, when you go down <laughs> under the water. And we have to, we have to walk around in them and, and experience this reality through them, through our, through our senses. But uh, our brain really is not a, doesn't create our consciousness or our mind. It's actually a receiver yes. of consciousness, which exists uh, beyond the body and uh, it, it, but it, our brain it integrates our consciousness with our body so that we mm. can use it and, uh, and get around in this reality and that's what it's about that's mm. what this reality is about it, it's a school it, it most certainly is and some people never get beyond kindergarten <laughs> <laughs> and they just have to keep coming back again and again and again until they get to those high grades but uh, yeah. the, uni the universe gave me a saying um, five years ago that the universe is going to shake us up to wake us up for us to step it up, change it up, and grow up. Grow up vibrationally, but also grow up as a human race. We're, you know, in many areas, we're still being shaken, and but so many people have awoken and stood up and changing it up. And I know just from 10 and a half years of doing this, and I'm sure with all the books and the people you've interviewed, it's not going to make CNN. It's not going to make Fox News. But the consciousness that is out there is really is growing quite exponentially, isn't it? And we just, you know, it's going to suddenly tilt everything. I think this is why we see so much resistance right now. And, you know, from the people who don't want to step into that consciousness, they're resisting. But resistance is futile, isn't it? Well, I think so. And I, it, I compare it to water building up behind a dam. Mm -hmm. Actually, the dam is going to break and, uh, and we'll make that transition into a new reality a new people will will have a new world view which is uh, going to make things much better and i i started on this journey probably about uh, oh really a quite a long time ago i had a an out of body kind of near death experience when i was in my 20s and but i had been raised as a uh, in a very rational household i would call my parents uh, scientific materialists they believed mm. that couldn't see it under a microscope right it didn't exist yes and that was the uh, worldview that I had but then uh, when I found myself looking down at my body and realized at that moment that I was not my body I was I was my consciousness mm -hmm. my consciousness at that moment was outside of my body that's when it really uh, re really woke me up and started me on, as I said, a journey that I've been on now for 50 years. So mm. uh, I've, I've really uh, kind of, it's my passion to, uh, to figure out or was my passion to figure out what the true nature of reality is. And I think I'm, you know, I'm getting pretty close. I don't think we ever know completely, but we, 
we I, there's one thing I do know, and that is that uh, I'm not my body, and I'm I'm a spiritual being, and I'm here to learn and experience and uh, and to help spread the word and to help kind of push, do my little bit to push uh, humanity across into this this new understanding of who we are and what we are and why we're here. So there you go. You're an awakener. <laughs> right. So, doing my best. That's why I'm writing written all those books. And exactly. And you know, it's it, um, an ocean isn't made of like a gallon, it's one drop at a time. A beach is one grade of sand at a time. And when we actually understand it, I always do the analogy, people must be sick of this by now, but it is, um, you know, we're here to discover what our instrument is. And when we discover what it is, how well do we play it? And then we look for that orchestra that as individuals, we can bring our strength collectively, harmoniously to create a symphony that resonates out. And we realize that we are so much not only stronger, but, you know, we can create that vibration out there so much more when we do come together. But we can't do that until we've found it within ourselves. We have to find it within ourselves first so we know how to bring it to that collective consciousness. And that's just allowing, isn't it? Allowing the channeling of the wisdom, you know, to ignite with an open heart. It can't speak from a closed heart. Allowing that spirit to lift up and get into action. And then the mind knowing what it needs to know when it needs to know it and how to apply what it is it needs to know. But it is a, a great deal of surrendering and allowing and trusting something that you, as you said, you can't tangibly see under a microscope or, you know, you can't dissect it. People believe in God, but they can't touch him and see him. Right. So why can't you believe in a, another consciousness? Uh, that is universal, a universal energy that comes through as that is us, that's made us up. Yeah, I think that we're, we are all part of one big consciousness, mm -hmm. that is one mind, I would say. It's like, uh, you know, if you, you think of God as a, uh, as having a, maybe it's God is having a dream, and we're all characters in that dream. Mm -hmm. And we're all related. We're really all part of that uh, one, one mind. Uh, all is one. Well, you know. Uh, I think he's been yeah. having a few nightmares lately, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. It's true. But mystics have been saying for thousands of years that all is one, and I think that's that's true. And and that we're each here for a reason. Every yes. one of us. We we've come into this reality uh, for either to uh, learn something and particular or to uh, experience something that will help us grow uh, or we're here perhaps for many reasons and one might be to I think I'm here partly to help uh, help us speed us along into this new reality that we're moving into this new understanding of of uh, who we are and why we're here and so yeah I I think we're all connected and that we we have access to that that larger mind, that higher self, uh, that higher uh, understanding, if we'll only allow it. And you mentioned that, uh, you know, a lot of times people have a hard time because they're, we, we all have egos and our ego mind uh, can get in the way of that. Yeah. It's telling us that, you know, we shouldn't think this or that because, you know, it's not right or, or for whatever <laughs> reason, or we may... Maybe we're angry with others because they we felt they 
done us wrong or something like that. And we have this monkey mind, I call yes. a lot of us that are, is con- constantly interfering with us getting in touch with the real, right. real us, which is much deeper than that and beyond that. So, the inside yeah. out job, not the outside in. Again, it's this, this synchronicity. I do my own show every week, and my show was this week about you know the the interior change. You know, uh, everybody wants to see change on the outside, but they don't realize it has to happen within first. And when it happens within, you are now part of the equation to help it happen on the outside. Uh, you know, uh, all the bad decisions that we've made collectively, we've done from a limited knowledge. When we tap into that source of of um, consciousness, that that heart wisdom that comes from the universe, uh, and especially when we share that knowledge, we now actually have stepped into solution. And in that solution, we can all truly, and it's not a la la land. We can all truly be seen, be heard, and count as a collective, as an individual in the collective and live harmonious lives. But it really is up to what we feed, isn't it? It is. And I think that, uh, you know, whenever we are, uh, you feel triggered, you know, you, something happens mm-hmm. and you feel angry about it or you react. It's time at that moment to think about why, what is yeah. it about, what is my belief that has caused my subconscious probably belief that has caused me to react in that way. Uh, and then, you know, we can kind of go in uh, side and kind of psychoanalyze ourselves and maybe uh, maybe expel beliefs that aren't true, that right. are not helping us, that are kind of holding us back. Uh, that's one of the things I believe. You know, what I've done in my lifetime, having been brought up in a materialistic, uh, rationalistic kind of household is uh, I have approached this whole spiritual journey more from a scientific point of mm-hmm. view. And I, as you mentioned, I've interviewed quantum physicists. Yes. I've interviewed researchers into the paranormal. And and uh, here in Virginia, I'm in Richmond, Virginia right now. It's where I live and where I grew up. And at the University of Virginia, there is an outfit uh, called the Division of Perceptual Studies. It's part of the, part of the medical college of the University of Virginia. And they have been studying, they started out almost 60 years ago, probably was 60 years ago, 1962, yeah, mm-hmm. 60 years ago, studying uh, children's memories of past lives. Yes. And they now have uh, over 2,500 cases that they've studied in those 60 years. About uh, 1,700 of them they believe they have solved and that they've found the individual uh, whom the child uh, referenced in terms of his uh, occupation, his name, his uh-huh. marital status, his children and their names and all yes. those kind of facts. And, uh, and it, they have, they've also studied uh, near-death experiences and all kinds of uh-huh. things to do with consciousness and have come to the conclusion that you and I have come to, which is the brain does not create consciousness. The brain is a receiver of consciousness. Yes, it is. So there, you know, that's just one of the things that I write about in my books of what the the University of Virginia has studied and and what they've come up with. But there are others, too. You know, there are people studying psychic mediums and whether or not they can actually communicate uh, with uh, people who've passed. And there's uh, remote viewing. I've interviewed 
gentleman who founded the uh, United States Army Intelligence Unit that spied on the East Bloc uh, countries during the uh, during the Cold War that used psychics. Yes. Uh, to do that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this is all scientifically proven, right? It's it all scientific. Works, you know? It's not fantasy people... in a movie. It's all reality. Yeah. And yet there's so many people who still hold on to the idea that nothing exists except right. material substance, matter. Right. And, uh, even uh, any quantum physicist will tell you that matter doesn't really exist in the way we, we think of it. It's all energy. It's energy. Right, it's exactly. Little quarks and electrons and everything spinning around. And the thing is with the, the matter, the actual body without the consciousness is very robotic. It's extremely lost. It needs the consciousness to be the driving force within the matter of the body. And without that, we are running in data all the time. And that data could be very much societal conditioning, the do's and the don'ts dictated by who i don't know but most certainly not consciously driven and in a lot of ways if we don't allow the consciousness in and we are just living from that raw data we've put a firewall up and we're you know we're not willing to accept any other kind of information that comes through and without that other information we've you know we are put essentially a lot of walking dead because without the consciousness we're not living yeah exactly right exactly right yeah I'm with you on all of that. And and uh, so, you know, it's time if you haven't, if you're listening to this or watching, watching it, uh, my advice is to spend some time in quiet contemplation or maybe go out into uh, take a walk in nature yes. and uh, look at the trees and the birds and the bees and all the things that are alive and conscious. It's all part of that. You're up, you're part of that same. Yes. We're all part of that energy, right? We're just you know, back to the music analogy, we're all a different note, right? And, you know, we are that one particular note, but when we come together and all of our notes come together, that's when we really can create the music. And um, nature, I have wonderful Michel Pascal, who's a meditation master. He will take people into Times Square to meditate amongst the chaos. You know, it mm -hmm. isn't about being in the silence. It's finding the silence within the chaos. The yeah. silence lies within you. And when you can switch off with all around you and go into that consciousness, to that stream, you are no longer a part of the, the tornado that is around you. And within that, uh, within that peace and that silence, you now can see the clarity and what you need to do to you know, burst that bubble, remove yourself from it, or even you know, stop the tornado altogether. But nobody can think clearly when you're in the chaos. Uh, because that's when fear comes about. That's when from fear it becomes distrust, that becomes hate, that becomes violence. It is an absolutely no win, no win scenario whatsoever. When you do connect with nature and you allow nature to speak to you, uh, to speak to the inner you, not the outer you, the inner you, then you actually truly do feel, see, hear and become so much more. Uh, and you realize what a beautiful being you really are not just the human side of it, the beingness of who you are and things just become so much clearer and all of your choices of life. Absolutely. I, you know, it's, you're making me think, or you're causing me to think of a, something that I experienced. I guess I was about 35 years old. I was, uh, <clears throat> uh, 
meditating. I was out in my my backyard. It was a beautiful spring day. It was uh, probably 70, I use Fahrenheit, you use Celsius, probably 21 Celsius, 72 degrees uh, Fahrenheit, and uh, beautiful blue sky, maybe a few puffy clouds going by, and just the right temperature. I was on a, a lounge chair just meditating, and, and, and suddenly I had what I would describe as a mystical experience where I I just sort of felt like I merged with yeah. what you might call the infinite mind. And, and when I opened my eyes, I could see, I could see uh, auras around the trees and the flowers and the grass. And, and it continued. And I kind of, I went into this mind and became, it was like I merged with it and became yes. one with it. And whatever I thought about, I, I had understanding or I knew what, the truth was mm -hmm. and I and it, I don't know how long it lasted it maybe maybe lasted five minutes maybe it was 30 seconds maybe it was half an hour I don't right. know but there is no I, time there is no time in that there realm was no time no. Uh, and and I didn't bring everything back with me that I that I learned or I thought about but oh, I, you I did is the subliminal come out when it needs to yeah <laughs> yeah I brought enough back to know that uh you know I'm I was part of that at that moment, and, and it is something that is within each one of us. Yes. And it only happened to me that one time, but uh, it was enough to really change my life and, and make me understand that uh, I am part of this this bigger thing, this larger mind that is uh, that we're all part of, that right. everything everything is part of, the birds and the bees and the trees mm -hmm. and the rocks and the, all signatures. the, the sky, mm -hmm. the, the whole universe is is, uh, is we were made up from the universe yeah. we're all particles of exactly right? so you know if we could understand that you know people look for god on the outside or if, if you're looking for god he's inside he, yeah. you know everything that you're made up of is made up of that source that energy that god with that spirit whichever you wish to look at it at we are all at one with the universe that's why when we choose to tune into the universe you know, we feel at peace, at home, in a state of love and clarity because we are connecting to that energy source. Um, I'm a dimensional traveler, so, you know, I will go off into other worlds and uh, I have a complete experience there. And like, like you said, you'd have no idea what time you've really gone. Or, and then you kind of come back, did, did I experience that here and not remember it? No, no, I experienced it somewhere else. And I think the, the limitations that we place upon ourselves by the conditioning and the teachings of the past. Uh, you, you know, this is something to be afraid of, or it's cultish, uh, or God will condemn you and cast you into hell. Hell is the ignorance, the arrogance, and the fear that we live in on earth. Heaven is when we truly tap into our consciousness and we live that beautiful divine experience here on earth. Yeah, I think the Buddhists call it nirvana. Mm -hmm. you're you you are you have this connection to the all that is right here on earth and and you you know everything around you might be going nutty crazy yes. which is in this at this time in, <laughs> in this but uh you you feel calm and as you said you know you're you're able to um you know think clearly and uh and and, and love is part of it all and yes you know it's it's an experience that uh, that 
you don't want to come out of when you're in it. No. Um, and when you do kind of come out of the euphoria of it and you come back into the world, there is a bit of a resistance at first. And then you realize, well, you haven't come back alone. You have come back with wisdom that you may not even know that you have right now. But when you do need it, when the time is right, that wisdom will be there. You know, that's when I say the mind will know what it needs to know when it needs to know it, is that we've stored all of this beautiful experience that we've had. And it's uh, when we're ready to use it, it's there. But I think one of the things it teaches is we place a great deal of information on intellect, academic intellect, of storing a great deal of knowledge like a computer. What the consciousness is teaching us, that intellect that that need that you need that knowledge that you need is always there but without being present how will you know what's relatable to the moment yeah i think it, that reminds me of the old saying that uh, when the student is ready the mm. teacher will appear you know and that does happen it's happened to me constantly yes. throughout my life yes you know, I, i'll be uh it's amazing. I guess they're also called synchronicities when mm -hmm. uh, I think it was Carl Jung who uh, who coined that uh, word. I remember when I was, uh, before the internet was a big deal and I was writing a book, I started back in the 80s to write books. And uh, I would need some information. I would go into a library and <laughs> walk to a shelf and take a book and open it. And there was the information that I needed right there. It was just, it was incredible. And yeah. <laughs> that would be called a synchronicity, which is a, uh, a uh, coincidence that has meaning because it goes beyond, it's not really a coincidence. No, no. And I do that with, with two is um, if I go into a bookshop, what, what book do I need to know? And I'll mm -hmm. go up and down the aisle and then something will just ask me, you know, to read it, to look at it. And, and then I just turn to a page uh and it's that, oh, that page has got some message for me. And it might be just, that's all it needs at that moment. And it might be another book that says, no, you need to read the whole of me. You know, <laughs> so it's, um, you know, the thing is, if we decide to be in tuned with our consciousness all the time, we are led to the answers all the time. It's when we disconnect ourselves because we doubt or other people criticize or other people persecute. Uh, because you have chosen to live in this this world, they don't understand because they're still operating from fear or control, somebody else's control, not their own. Uh, and you can't help people until they're willing to take the journey themselves. You know, you can you can inspire, you can invite, you can show how you are living uh, and what opportunities and what science and data is there. But until they're willing to have that experience, there's not much else you can do. I agree. There's no doubt about it. It's it's a matter of, to, of as you said, being open and, uh, and listening and trying to put aside that monkey mind, those, yeah. those thoughts of I should or I shouldn't or this is right or that's wrong and just uh, go beyond that into, into the uh, consciousness that is yeah. of which we're all part. I mean, let's talk reincarnation. A lot of people think that is like you're going to come back almost like the walking dead or you're going to be exactly the same person as you were before. But in many ways, every lifetime we come back here for is a form of reincarnation because we bring back with memory data. 
we bring back with the you know the DNA imprints from past lives from obviously family uh, unfinished business, don't we? Well, we do, and one of the things that uh, comes through very clearly in the research done by the University of Virginia on children's memories of last past lives, something like seventy percent of the children who have recalled a past life that they've studied uh, had their previous life cut short some way. Yeah. In other words, they they might have been killed in an automobile automobile accident. They could have been. Uh, killed in a, in war, they might have uh, been murdered. There were several uh, mm. cases that I've, uh, a couple that I've talked about in some of my books where there was someone was actually murdered and uh, came back. So, and, and the time between uh, the death of the previous life and the birth of the life in which the child remembered the past life is only 15 months. Mm. Now, that is very unusual, I think. I'm uh, I, One of the things that I did when I started on this journey was join the Rosicrucian Order. And that is a, a secret society that studies uh, met metaphysics and metaphysical laws. And I went through their whole course uh, and took the exams and so forth and went from novice to adept. One of the things that they teach about reincarnation is that uh, they say that the average, and this is the average, there are always outliers, is uh, 140 years. So that if you live 70 years in flesh, then you're going to come uh, yes. spend 70 years in the uh, uh, time between lives. And I think that there's probably something to that. But these children who remember the past lives have come back, typically come back, very quickly. Yes. Because they had unfinished business, probably. Yeah. And so, like called living. Yeah. So, <laughs> but uh, I think what happens typically is that we we come back for a particular reason. Uh, it's either to learn something, uh, to experience something, uh, or we come back to help others. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I've had about 200 lifetimes removed from me, you know, just because I was they were blocking me from moving forward. But the common denominator in all of those lifetimes, I was here to ignite the souls and the heart and the spirit and others. And whichever way I did it, um, you know, it was still that was the underlining job on which I came here to do. And uh, but yeah, up until this lifetime, I had gone through, you know, persecution, burnt at the stake, this, that, etc. You know, the whole works. And this lifetime was, was for me to reignite my own heart, soul, and spirit, you know, back into being in, in, in its own strength and purpose because it had been so, you know, punished for so long. And, uh, you know, I was, you know, born this way, you know, I saw dead people, played with dead people, always had those experiences. And I've always had that knowingness of what people needed to know when they needed to know it way beyond the comprehension of my own knowledge. Um, and it was just something that was always there. And, uh, you know, people have always, well, how do you know? Where do you get your information from? And it's like, I just know what I need to know when I need to know it. And it's not even for me to know what I need to know. It's for the person that I'm saying it to. So having removed those past lives has allowed me now to step back into the full purpose of which I came here to do in the first place. 
Well, now I, that's an interesting. Uh, let me ask you what what is it? What do you mean by and how does it work that you they were removed that those two hundred lives were removed? Yes, um, yes. Well, I was carrying their signature around with me, and you know, for a very long time, I had this brick wall in front of me, and it didn't matter. I couldn't go over it, under it, I couldn't obliterate it. It was constantly a force against me. And the first time it was done by a woman using a pendulum. And she just removed these past lives, 152 lifetimes at that point. And it was quite a weird experience. But afterwards, I have never, you know, I had never felt this kind of freedom to be, to have my own self-discovery, you know, have, uh, to, to reignite my own heart and soul, as I had had, uh, not only in this lifetime, but for many lifetimes, at least 50 lifetimes of, um, of persecution. And then later on, there was a more cellular um, discovery of kind of in the cell memory cellular that some of these other lifetimes were still holding on. One was a vow of poverty, which made sense because I, I can never seem to keep money to use always <laughs> as a way of going out. Um, the philanthropy side of me, which is always I must give it away. Um, but it, it, it was very, very interesting because as they were released, I could feel a burden coming off me. I could feel I'm no longer carrying you know, the, the pain, the anguish, or the, the feeling stuck, or anything else that was happening with me. Um, I am a person who feels sadness very easily. And when the world is in pain or people in pain, I feel it. Um, that is that empathy that's quite highly strong. And it has played havoc with the human side of me because it will come out in the form of depression or anxiety. Uh, so if I go into my spirit, I can calm that down. But it has been very, um, the more I have been able to open up back to my spirit, the more I have had memories of who I have been and what I, um, where I stemmed from. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> I know about a few of my past lives, but and. Uh, basically, my overall thing is, uh, what was it? Some one of the uh, psychics told me, uh, uh, omniperception. I'm, I have a kind of ability to see a big picture when only a small part of it is, is right. Available. I see it, and, mm -hmm. and uh, that that's one of the reasons I'm able to write these books and so yeah. forth. I'm also able to see things from a lot of different angles and from different people's points of view. So, uh, so I'm, you know, I'm here doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm, 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 I'm uh, following my Dharma, I guess mm -hmm. it is my purpose uh, in this lifetime. And that's what we're all meant to do. You know, the thing is, that's why, you know, I call it your instrument. You know, this was your instrument. You, you, you had the prove it to me growing up if it's not in the science it's not real to having those beautiful cosmic two by fours that said hang on here <laughs> pay attention to this science it is cosmic science and we're very real and the only way you're going to understand the reality of it is to experience it and then right. you know through that then understanding how the science and the cosmic science merge together so that you can translate it into a book form that then becomes um, soul heart and eye opening for other people who may not understand what they're going through. Exactly. Very well put. That's, that's absolutely true. Yep. We, we're all given a strength, a forte. And, you know, one of the problems is, is a, as a human society, again, the exterior condition of who we should be, what the idea of success is or, or what the idea of intellect is. 
Um, I never finished school. I have not graduated. I have. Um, I was a very sickly child, so I missed a great deal of school and was penalized for a long time of not having the academics and made to feel less than. But I understand I was meant to be a blank canvas because that it removes me from that conditioned intellect to more the conscious intellect that needed to come through and be on that canvas. And it's understanding that every single one of us is here for a reason and for a purpose. What instrument are we? How are we meant to use it? How is it meant to serve mankind? And when we step into it, we actually realize what a beautiful gift it is, not only to us, but to anyone else that we are serving. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, well, <clears throat> another uh, one that I have studied and, and have gone down to, there, again, being in Virginia, at Virginia Beach, which is about a two-hour drive from where I live, there's the Association for Research and Enlightenment, which is the institute that was founded by Edgar Cayce back in the 1930s. And I've been down there a few times and interviewed the uh, executive director and other uh, other individuals who are, are part of that. And uh, of course, Edgar Casey was called the sleeping prophet back in, mm -hmm. uh, in the, he lived from 1877, I believe, to 1945. Mm -hmm. But he would go into a trance every afternoon yes. and answer questions, or sometimes in the mornings, morning and afternoon. And I was fortunate enough to actually, I guess it was about 15 years ago, interview his uh, son, Edgar Evans Casey, who at that time was 95 years old, but still very lucid, very on top of things. And uh, it was fascinating what he was able to do by going into that trance and accessing apparently the, what's called the Akashic Records, yeah. which is the memory of everything that's ever yeah. happened. You yes. know, and every thought that's ever been thought and every uh, everything that's ever taken place and just an amazing situation there since that's that place is on it's on atlantic avenue at 68th street in virginia beach and big building they have all the records everything that uh, every session he ever had was transcribed using shorthand and then typed up and it's all there now. I think it's all on uh, all you can access it, of course, through the Internet. So. Mm -hmm. The thing is, the proof has been there for so long. But, you know, the media doesn't want to tell you about that. They always make it villainous, something evil. And that is, you know, partly, you know, the church became less representing God and more about representing business and control. And when we hand ourselves over to other people, in what we can and what we cannot believe, then we have, we've lost ourselves. Um, when something becomes so inspirational to you that you really do connect to it, um, that you, it really allows you to open up, to feel and experience things beyond the parameters of, of just the human mind and body, then you really know you're having a divine experience. You really are there. But any organization that tells us that to have these experiences are psychotic or, or, you know, evil or anything like that is purely wanting to keep the control over you. And they keep the control over you by fear. And it's up to us, are we going to buy the fear? 
Or are we going to be inquisitive and wondrous creatures? Because that's what we're designed to be. We're designed to be inquisitive and wondrous and adventurous discoverers. So if you step out of your own discovery, then you have just abstained from your own life. Well, that's right. And one of the things that uh, that brings to mind is that, you know, Edgar Casey explained reincarnation and did he his, his take on it was basically what uh, we've been saying, and that is that people come to into this reality to learn or to uh, experience and to grow. And uh, the church, of course, has the Christian church has uh, deleted mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, reincarnation from doctrine, and that yes. was. The, the amazing thing that people don't understand is that it was part of the church up until yes. I think it was 553, the Second Council of Constantine, when Constantine himself, the emperor, demanded that uh, reincarnation be removed from Christian doctrine, and probably because he was doing what you were talking about, not trying controlling people. Yes, he figured that if people thought that they'd get another chance. They wouldn't knuckle under and do what the church told them to do. And exactly. So, uh, and that's why I was taken out. But there are many passages in the Bible, something like 11 in, in the Matthew uh, gospel alone, that that really can only be explained if you accept reincarnation. You know, for example, when, uh, when uh, Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say I am? And, and one says, well, some people think you're John the Baptist. Other people think you're uh, one of the prophets or Isaiah. And, you know, and that goes on like that. But if if he was one of the prophets, the last prophet died 400 years before he was born. Mm-hmm. So he would have to have been one of the re- prophets reincarnated. Of course, he goes on to, you know, say that uh, he's the, the Christ and Messiah and all that. But Passages like that that make references that can only be explained by reincarnation. When he comes across uh, the uh, blind man, the man who's blind from birth, and his disciples ask him, uh, why was this man born blind? Was it his parents or was it him that that sinned? They're talking about karma there. And uh, Jesus said, well, it was neither one. It was so the glory of God could be shown or something like that. But if he was, if it was his own sin that caused his blindness, it had to have happened before he was born. So it had to have happened in a previous life. Right. Things like that. So, uh, so where, those- do you, where do you stand with the UFOs? I had um, a wonderful gentleman on this week who's actually, again, kind of science-based, uh, Michael Horn, and, um, and he has studied the UFOs and Billy Mira. Um, research that has been, you know, incredible photography and experiences that he's had way going back into the 40s and indisputable proof that they ex- exist uh, because now we can change a picture and we don't know if it's true or not. But back then, good old black and white film couldn't have been doctrined <laughs> as it as it is now. Uh, you know, where do you stand with the UFOs? Well, I, I think that they're probably all sorts of... Uh intelligent beings yes. in, the, in reality. We're certainly not. <laughs> yeah. We're not alone. We're no. not alone. No. I think, I think an, at least some of them come from other dimensions and they're not necessarily physical beings like right. you. And, and I'll give you uh, an example of that. Uh, when I first started uh, 
work after college. I worked at an advertising agency in Baltimore. And my boss was a retired colonel from the Air Force. He uh, <clears throat> uh, and he and I were having drinks one day after work. And he told me that he was flying an air, uh, a uh, transport airplane across the Atlantic and had a crew of about five people on it, on that airplane. And that an orb, uh, a glowing light round orb, I don't know, maybe it was, I don't know, anyway, it was an orb, came up and flew alongside the cockpit for half an hour. Yeah. And that everybody in the crew saw it and witnessed it. And then at some point it just went and shot yeah. off uh, in, in an, away from the plane in a way that could not have, you know, material uh, right. object have done. Just when the physics wouldn't, wouldn't allow that. He said that he, of course, uh, uh, wrote the situation up, filed a report, and that's the last he ever heard of it. Mm -hmm. But his impression was that it was uh, maybe something from another dimension that came here and was checking things out and then went back. Oh, they've been watching so, us for a very long time. Oh, yeah. uh, and, you know, oh, the, the, the thing is that they're not meant to intervene, but they have been doing in a way through the consciousness of, you know, either making themselves seen or or downloading that consciousness into people where suddenly, you know, like Tesla, you know, and various other particular people that have just created brilliance uh, or, you know, epiphanies or knowledge that we as human beings couldn't have got to on our own. And uh, so they are there to help us shift this consciousness, because I believe not only do we have to do it, because I think we're doing so much harm to the planet with with the anger, the thunder and the, the negativity of human beings. But, you know, Mother Earth is so pissed off. She's going to evict us if we don't do something. <laughs> um, um, but, you know, the, the, the survival of the human race and, and all living beings here on this planet uh, is essential in the growth of our consciousness. And I think they are really trying to lead us down that path. They can't really kind of come down there and force us. Um, but what they are doing is integrating in a way that awakens us. Well, I think you're, you're absolutely right. And, and I believe you said that, uh, and I believe that they respect our free will. They're not yeah. going to intervene and say, these guys have got to shape up. Yeah, oh. you know. <laughs> <laughs> do we? That's the wake up, you know, the, the uh, they grow probably, up. <laughs> they probably like to do that, but they're not going to. And, and, no, and no. eventually when we do wake up, then we'll probably start to have some serious interaction. Yes, yes, because um, we, we have to rise up to their frequency in order to communicate with them. Yeah, yeah. There are some, quote, extraterrestrials, I believe, that have come through uh, channeling uh, mm -hmm. individuals like Many. Uh, Ruth Montgomery and uh, oh I, I published a book about a year ago that was actually written by uh, a British gentleman who now lives in France but he had uh, been part of a group that was listening to a channel for over a couple of years that was coming through explaining how uh, <laughs> what reality is all about and and where how everything came to be and the book is called uh, oh gosh i'd have to look but it's it's on my uh uh website for the for the uh oakley press but uh it's 
apparently a whole civilization that is uh, coming through in some of these kind of channel situations. And this one was supposedly uh, from Venus, which was a, according to NASA, uh, was would have been able to support life a couple of billion years ago. Mm. And, and uh, according to this extraterrestrial, that's where it evolved. And, uh, and that it's trying to help us get us straight through this channel, through the channel that uh, gave, gave us this information. I do believe. What do you think of all that? I, I, well, I do believe that um, uh, certain beings elected to come to Earth uh, to take on human form, to be the teachers. And I do believe I was one. You know, that was part of one of the memories that came up um, of leaving my home and coming here to be, you know, that soul heart spirit igniter. And I've been here a very, very long time um, and, uh, you know, gone through quite some experiences here. And, and as I get older and more and more immerse into things, more and more different memories come come to come to being but it's always the same fundamental what i'm here to do and i think there are still many more of them that have elected to do that and you know are the teachers among us are the igniters among us and uh, and then there are so many i have a wonderful christina hill uh who i've interviewed a long time and and we actually had we co uh, coded a show together for a while here on my network and she has um Athena, an entity that is not of a human spirit that comes and speaks through her. And before she discovered that it was actually Athena's voice, she actually thought she was going mad and she was actually locked up uh, because they, you know, they thought that, you know, she's speaking to voices until eventually Athena managed to come through, break through and say, no, I've chosen you to be the vessel uh, whom she speaks through. And there's so many that I've interviewed that have, you know, that, are, that they were chosen for. Some of them remember what they're saying while they're doing it some of them have no recollection whatsoever but you know that they're, they're here to kind of be that vessel that helps us actually understand what we're doing to ourselves and what solutions are in front of it but it's all about waking up our consciousness every single one of them is that's the message exactly that's what's and that's what's going on. I hope it happens pretty soon. Love, it is love, happening. Yeah. It is happening. Um, again, we just we, in the world of chaos, we know you know the news love to take a pimple and make it into a volcanic eruption because fear sells, hysteria sells. Yeah. And so if you know if they're going to be making money out of scaring the shit out of people, they're going to that's what they're going to be putting out on the media, and we do it to ourselves on social media. You know. Um, uh, the people that love to bash other people and, you know, lash out at other people. We need to, you know, own our own actions and reactions to things. Um, but it is happening. I do really believe the awakening is happening on a really large scale. And things simply like podcasts. I've been doing it 10 and a half years. Uh, the people that I've had on that were lawyers or, you know, that were uh, different people all together in a world that they never ever thought they would do this, but they were chosen. And now they're conduits in some form or other. And, uh, you know, that's what kind of made them really real is the fact of, you know, what world they were in and what world has been given to them now and what they're here to say. So it is happening. You know, resistance is futile. 
the awakening <laughs> is happening so you may as well get on board because when you do then you actually really actually understand what life is all about mm. let's talk about your um your publishing house now you actually do publish at the authors what kind yes, of authors so, do you publish well it's uh, all kinds of things I, I of course spiritual things um novels uh Occasionally a business book, but uh, I have about 150 books that I've published, a little over 150. And uh, the name of the uh, firm is the Oakley Press. And Oakley is spelled in a strange way. It's O-A-K-L-E-A. I named it that because at the time that I started it, I was using uh, an office in my brother's pool house on, and his little farm there was called Oakley. And I guess it's the Lee side of the oak or something like <laughs> that. But uh, <laughs> anyhow, it's uh, been, I've had this going for about uh, a little over 25 years, started yeah. in 1995. And um, if people are interested, they can go on my website. You could just put the Oakley Press into Google and I'm sure it'll come right up at the top. Mm-hmm. But it's, but it's oakleypress.com, O-A-K-L-E-A-P-R-E-S-S. Dot com. And uh, I'm the editor and publisher. I, you know, if people send me, uh, send me a submission, I'll get to it when I can. And if I think it's something that makes sense for the Oakley Press, I'll, I'll publish it. Sometimes things are sent to me that need to be edited. If I have to edit them, then I do charge for that, but I don't charge to publish. Oh, that's and wonderful. If it's all been edited and ready to go, then we'll just go with it. That's so excellent. You can um, go on the website and see the other, see the kinds of things. I've got uh, business books. I've got nonfiction and uh, spiritual type books. I have novels. Uh, and you can go on and look and see what the other books are that I've published and to give you an idea of what I'm looking for that way. I mean, that's excellent because, you know, I've just written my memoir. Um, and uh, my brother, who's an author of master literature unfortunately had a heart attack so it was in the middle of editing it for me and then obviously his health took a downward turn um but you know it was hard to find somebody that understood the spiritual voice and the flow because i'm a flow writer i was i've also written it in article form rather than chapter form and uh, it's you know if you you go to other people that are very generic, it's going to be very generically edited because they're mm-hmm. not understanding the voice. And, uh, you know, is using Grammarly or, you know, Microsoft this and that, and the, the words that they wanted me to replace it with. No, that makes it a totally different meaning. And so you do need somebody that actually understands the spiritual voice. If you were writing from a spiritual point of view, you know, the spiritual voice that is there and not, change it to a point that it loses its flow and its content and the fact that you don't charge for the publishing you must take some sort of percentage on the well, actual yeah, publish. But, uh, well, typically uh, I will uh, give the author 15% of the retail price it works out to about 50% of the money that actually flows through so it's basically splitting it with the author Right. And, and, you know, there's so many kind of publishing places out there and a lot of it has lost its intimacy. I started doing some inquiring and then next thing I know, I'm bombarded, phone calls, this and that. And I thought, 
no, no, you know, like I, I'm, I'm just investigating. Well, we could do this and we could do that. It's like bag off. <laughs> mm-hmm. A, I've seen your prices. No, and mm-hmm. and uh, B, it, it everything seemed to be kind of so disconnected rather than feeling cohesive. And I think that's a, when, when somebody's been vulnerable enough to write a book, they want to know that it's in hands that respect it. And that's the important thing, right? The, the respect that not only are they going to get it out there, but respect the content and what the author is trying to say, which is, um, you know, there's a lot of people that self-publish, which um, uh, is perfectly okay. Make sure you do have your editing. Make sure you do have it laid out in a readable format. But it's it's uh, at the same time, um, if you can have somebody else who's objective looking at it, it's better uh, because then you know how it's going to be read by others. That's absolutely true. The other thing I'd like to say before we park here is that uh, if anybody's interested in my books, go to my website, which is very easy to remember. It's S.H. Martin, S-H-M-A-R-T-I-N.com. And uh, my, all my books are on that uh, website, so you can just look at them and if you're interested one click on the cover and it'll take you to the page on amazon where you can maybe read the first couple of chapters and see what other people said in the uh, reviews and so forth and yes i've got this all on your show page here and then all they have to do is just click on next to your book find all those books here and all of the books come up and shmartin.com oakley press O-A-K-L-E-A press.com. You're also on LinkedIn, Stephen Hawley, H-A-W-L-E-Y Martin. And Stephen is spelled S-T-E-P-H-E-N, not the V-E-N, the P-H-E-N. You're on Facebook, S-H-M Books. And you have a YouTube channel. What do you put up on your YouTube channel? Well, I put up uh, interviews with uh, some of my authors, interviews with... uh, People like the gentleman who uh, founded the the uh, secret uh, spy agency for the U.S. Army that used psychics to spy yeah. on the communists and, you know, things like that. So, Excellent. Yeah. Really intriguing. Wonderful. You know, I think where the mind comes into it is asking your mind to be open to do not to limit itself, not to put blinkers on, allow your mind to be open to have an experience and to go into an unknown world that may feel far out, but the more you immerse yourself into it, the more realistic it becomes. But the mind needs to be open that because that gets in the way of everything else being ignited if the mind decides it to be the fire wall and shut everything out you know drop that firewall be open and just be willing to go through the experience of discovery and allow things you know even if they feel oh this is so far out there i don't sure not sure if i comprehend it but at the same time willing to kind of just keep on exploring and then there'll be various things that will really hit home for you and then you'll go you know what i had that experience or that's how i felt or i didn't know that was going on or now this is what i need to do and that's the whole thing about books podcasts and people doing these kind of interviews is to share the experience so other people can have the experience absolutely and once your mind is open uh you'll wonder why it took you so long to get there because you're not going to go back after, after no that. there is what go back to what <laughs> yeah exactly closed-minded no way 
no way being close-minded never protected mm -hmm. you it never enlightened you it never guided you it never supported you uh, it all it did is kept you crippled and so if you don't want to be a cripple anymore open up your mind open up your heart soul and spirit and be willing to have these experiences willing to explore shmartin.com Oakley press o-a-k-l-e-a press.com and uh, obviously on amazon you just have to put in his name and all of his books come up and it's stephen s-t-e-p-h-e-n holy h-a-w-l-e-y martin and all of the books are there and uh, uh you know thank you for for taking the journey that you're taking i know that our generation you know kind of in the 70s, it opened up to us. 60s and 70s, it opened up to us to explore and then was shut down again. And so, you know, but no, we were opened. The roots were already opened and you couldn't hold us back. But it's taken a long time for it to come back out again where we, you know, where it can be mainstream. And more people open up to that consciousness, the more they're go, uh, going to understand what really the existence of their beingness is. So thank you so much for sharing with us today, Stephen. Well, thank you. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So, folks, please be open, ready to receive. Do not let your doubt, your fear, or other people's conditioning or doctrine or dictation get in the way. Be willing to have an experience and explore. Open up that mind. When you do that, open the heart, spirit, and soul. My God, the experience you're going to have is going to be one to change your life completely. Until next time, bye for now. We hope that you enjoyed the show. Find all of our shows on selfdiscoverymedia.com under podcasts or selfdiscoverymedia slash shows. And for all our current shows, go to What's New. We are supported by you, the audience. You'll see a nice big shiny blue button for one-time donations or follow us on Patreon and you will be able to support us there. We enjoy bringing you such wisdom. And the next show will be up in just a moment.